I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Hawkeye fans, get ready. It's time for the Hawkeye Nation radio show, powered by the Polk County iClub on Des Moines Sports Station, 1460 AM, and now 106.3 FM, KXNO. And welcome to the HawkeyeNation.com radio show right here on 106.3 KXNO. My name is Andrew Downs, and I am joined, as always, by my good friend, our fearless leader at HawkeyeNation.com, the president of the Polk County iClub. It's Joe Schmelka. Hey, Joe, how you doing? I got all kinds of titles, don't I? All kinds of meaningless <laughs> titles in this world. But uh, no, I'm doing great. Lisa and I are down here at Lake of the Ozarks for what looks to be a beautiful weekend down here. And uh, you just never know. You got to jump and grab these weekends when you can. So yes, yes, we'll, you do. Uh, find a cool place down here to watch uh, to watch the game and and hope that uh, hope we can pull off a nice big upset. You yeah, never know. Uh, you, you, that's you why never they play know. the game. That's exactly that's right. Why they play the- yeah, yeah. yeah, we've 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 been in situations like this before, Joe. You know, off the air, you and I talked quickly about 2017, and we'll certainly bring that up uh, as we move forward. But you know, the, the big win over Michigan uh, a few years back, after you know really looking bad in, in a game against Penn State, then you beat a top five Michigan team. Uh, you know, all the way back in 2008, you've got Penn State coming to town, and, and you knock them off. So Iowa has has done things like this before in unexpected times, but. Uh, this one feels maybe a little more daunting than normal as Ohio State is uh, is really, really playing well, and uh, and we all know Iowa's issues. But before we get to all of that, Joe, just quickly, hey, how, how was the off week? How was the weekend uh, uh, not having to suffer through an Iowa football game? <laughs> you know, it was kind of nice. I told Lisa, I said, oh, I think my blood pressure is down about 10 points from where it is on a normal uh, Saturday this year. So that's that's kind of nice. Um, I, I, I think, yeah, I think our fans and everybody just kind of needed to take a break. There was just so much negativity and, and that gets going and, uh, you know, it's, it's fire the coach, fire this, our, you know, our fire cancel culture that we're in. It's like, I think we just all need to take a deep breath. Um, realize we got a really young offensive line. That's a weakness probably obviously this year and another year or two in the future. Give them another ten pounds each, and another year of practice, and you know, hopefully, that's going to turn into a strength. Um, Petrus is having his issues, which obviously, you know, tie in a little bit there. But no, you know, I, I think it was it came at a good time, right in the middle of the season. Gives the kids and everybody a chance to get a little bit healthy and regroup, and you know, fans as well. Let's see where we go. We got six games, and that'll determine, uh, you know, how the season goes. You know, Iowa had the week off, but uh, elsewhere in the Big Ten West, uh, other teams played, and, and Illinois looks like they might actually be good. They had a 26 to 14 win over Minnesota. That's a big win for them. Uh, you know, to, to go through that gauntlet of uh, you know for Illinois of Wisconsin, Iowa, Minnesota, and go get through that three and zero. They have to feel really good about where they are uh, under Brett Bielema and where they are in the pecking order of the Big Ten West this season. Uh, Wisconsin did lose again this time to a, a pretty bad Michigan State team, so they're still kind of reeling after 
after uh, losing their coach, uh, after firing their coach midway through the season. Purdue edged Nebraska in a shootout. So, you know, Joe, as we sit here today, it certainly seems like Illinois and Purdue are kind of the teams to beat in the Big Ten West. Yeah, definitely. Um, you know, I mean, uh, Illinois could easily be undefeated right now. I mean, they are they're a lot better than you would have thought. Um, Bielema has come in there, and he's got that team, frankly, looking an awful a lot like uh, his Wisconsin teams used to look, right? I mean, they got big offensive linemen. Uh, they've got a really good downhill running back. Um, their quarterback's pretty decent. You know, we knocked him out. But uh, they got decent. They got a decent quarterback, and and you don't run the ball, uh, as we found out. You don't run the ball very easily against them. So um, they got a good defense. So you know he's he's turned that program around and really quick. And uh, they to me they look like they look like the favorites um, now for the West. And uh, that you, you would never pick that at the beginning of the year, right? No. Um, Purdue. Purdue looks. Yeah, they they look good. They're a little up and down, but um, they certainly got some offensive firepower. And uh, you know, when their quarterback's healthy, uh, they're they're a pretty darn good team. So it's gonna be it's gonna be interesting. Um, be a nice game to go in there. They knock us off every once in a while. It'd be a nice time for us to return that favor and <laughs> knock them off a little later this year, right? That would be nice. Yeah, I would like that. I'll sign up for that right now. And, and yeah, let, we'll go through uh, the rest of Iowa's schedule beyond the Ohio State game uh, a little later on in the program. Again, this is the HawkeyeNation.com radio show here on 106.3 KXNO. Andrew Downs, Joe Schmelke driving you home tonight. If you miss any of the program or if you can't stay with us for the entire hour, check us out at HawkeyeNation.com on the podcast page or wherever you get your podcasts. Uh, just search for Hawkeye Nation. Uh, you know, another thing I did during the bye week, Joe, is just kind of look at Iowa's season as as a whole so far and and you know try to get out of the the negativity as you alluded to you know there's just so much of it right now and, and understandably so I mean Iowa has its issues and those issues are real but Iowa's losses are to Michigan which does look like a legitimate top five team right now after blowing out Penn State over the weekend uh, they lost to Illinois who we just talked about really has it going they're ranked they're on a roll they're feeling good they, they've got a lot of really good pieces and the, the Iowa State loss doesn't look great. Iowa State's lost four in a row, albeit all close games. I mean, Iowa State's having the kind of season that that we're we're used to sometimes at Iowa. Four losses by a total of 14 points. Uh, Just can't quite get over the hump. Can't quite uh, make those plays you need to make. And then South Dakota State, who you know gave Iowa a game in the season opener and was maybe the first instance of, ooh, maybe there's uh, some things to be worried about here this season. Uh, South Dakota State beat perennial power North Dakota State over the weekend. They're now number one in the country in the FCS. Uh, so, so while all of the issues, again, are real for Iowa, and especially offensively, and I'm, I'm not trying to sugarcoat those things or pretend that they are being blown out of proportion, I, I do think that things might seem worse than they actually are when you look at the big picture for the Hawkeyes. Yeah, I, I think you're exactly right. I mean, we are a two inches, six inches, whatever you want to call it against Iowa State. Uh, you know, uh, uh, Potabom fumbled there at the goal line, or I think we win that game. That would have put us up 14-3 with our defense. I, I just don't see it happening. said you go away there, you get no points. They beat us by three points. Okay. Uh, you hate to see that happen because I don't think Iowa, Iowa State, they're not a terrible team. They're not a real good team either, and and you got to take care of business at home. Um, and, and then we go on the road to uh, to Illinois. Uh, first quarter, we knocked our quarterback out. 
And, uh, you know, that really limits them up, obviously, offensively. Uh, defense gives us the ball, I think, first and goal to five-yard line. And, you know, we can't punch it in for a touchdown. I, it just, 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 you know, it, it, two games. And, and we could be right there. We would be five and one, and nobody's complaining, right? And it's a play here and a play there. And that's kind of really the way it was the second half of last season. You know, Brian's alluded to that. It's a play here. you got to make the makeable plays. And we're not. And frankly, we haven't done a very good job of that um, really really since uh, the, the Penn State game last year. Um, you know, we won some games, obviously, but but it's, it's, it's just a flat-out weakness on the, on the side of the offense. Um, I'm targeting, you know, more than anything, more than Petrus even, the offensive line. Um, I don't know. You know, I, well, I know how we got into this thing. If you go back and look at our 2018-2019 recruiting classes, um, we, we didn't do so well. And, and we had some unfortunate things. You know, Ezra Miller was a four-star recruit, never played a down for us. Um, you know, some personal issues, some injuries, things like that. Uh, there's another kid from Norwalk who was a four-star, you know, recruit. Uh, boom, P.S. He hasn't played, I don't think he's played hardly a down for us. So we're very, very young at the offensive line. You know, once in 10 years, you're going to have a rebuilding season, and, and, and fans have, have got to settle down. We are not the type of program that should or can be expected to win 10 or 12 games every year. I mean, it's just that, that that's not us. And, and you know, I, I still say our commitment from the administration, you know, we spend about $25 million, I think, a year on football, right? That's a lot. I mean, coaches and everything, but that's about half. What Penn, but what uh, I'm sorry, what Ohio State spends on football, and you know you can look those numbers up and things. I mean, we just we only commit so much to it, and and you know you're you're only going to get so much out of it. And um, once in a while, you're going to have a rebuilding year. I think I think frankly everybody does. Um, and our fans, I don't know, I don't say we've gotten spoiled, but we since 2015 we've had some awfully nice records. And uh, we've done really, really well. And, and, and this year is not done yet, you know, Andrew. I mean, uh, seven and five, eight and four is 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 certainly still a possibility yet, right? Absolutely, yeah. And, and I, I like that perspective as well because, yeah, first of all, this this season isn't done. We're halfway through the season. You don't know how this is going to play out. As you said, it's it's been ten years since I was had a losing season. Four and eight in twenty twelve. Uh, the worst year since then was that twenty fourteen season where they went seven and six, uh, six and two in twenty twenty because you only got to play those eight games. I think everybody feels like if you were able to play Michigan in that championship week and Missouri in a bowl game, you probably end up eight and two in. That that year and uh, of the last three seasons that's the only year where I would didn't get to 10 wins and so you're right that there needs to be some allowance for a, a rebuild um some understanding of of kind of the the uh the the, the pitfalls and, and the the limits that Iowa has the you know that as a program and, and within the conference and and all of those things and you know you have a bad recruiting class or two or things just don't go your way uh, for a, a class or two these these things are going to compound and, and every once in a while you're going to have a, a tough season but as you said th- this one's far from over uh, we don't know what the the end result of this year will be uh, Brian Ferentz, the the much aligned offensive coordinator of the Iowa Hawkeyes met the media last week as did Phil Parker. Um, 
and and, uh, and and Levar Woods, the special teams coordinator, uh, they do that each year um, during the the bye week, and I like that they do that. And, and you know, good on Brian Ferentz. He he comes out there and he takes the questions and he answers them to the best of his ability. Uh, he's clearly an intelligent guy. He's clearly a good football coach. Uh, things aren't going well right now with with his offense, and and that's clear, and we all see that. But uh, for I, I do like that he he comes out there and. And and you know addresses these things openly and honestly, uh, or at least that's how it seems. He did have a couple of comments though last week, Joe, that that turned a lot of heads and and you know kind of created some some headlines. The you know he was asked about Alex Padilla and what the downside would be of of putting Padilla in at quarterback. And and Brian Ferentz you know essentially said, well, what's what's the upside? And he went on to, to kind of explain it a little bit more than that. And I don't think he was trying to be you know flippant as he, as he said, but uh, that that caused a lot of people um, to to turn their heads because well the upside uh, would be may, maybe a better offense, maybe just something out there offensively that that we could all kind of hang our hats on. Uh, the other comment that I've seen a lot of people talk about, Joe, is uh, Brian Ferentz kind of calling a uh, backyard football, like the the mobile quarterback, the guy who runs around a little bit, calling that backyard football. And, and the issue with that is that uh, you see teams like Ohio State and really teams all over the country and and in every level of football uh, kind of turning to that more mobile quarterback and and uh, and having success with it. And, and you've seen Iowa do that in the past as well. And so to kind of dismiss that as a as a lesser form of football, well, well your offense can't score the ball, uh, has certainly caused a lot of people uh, to I guess get upset or more upset than they already were uh, at Brian Ferentz and about this offense. I don't know that Brian Ferentz could have said anything last week that would have made people happy. I don't know that Kirk Ferentz can say anything at this point that's going to make people happy. Uh, They're in a really tough spot. But overall, what did you think of Brian Ferentz's comments last week and kind of how did you take that whole uh, situation? Well, you know, I, I remember when Brian Ferentz was a player, and uh, I think he had a he had a leg injury and he had some real problems, and then he came back, and and his you know he he's a very assertive guy, uh, aggressive guy. He's an offensive lineman. He's tough, right? I think he was a wrestler in high school, um, and, and 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 you need that. I mean that that's been our persona as a football team, as a football program, particularly under Kirk. You know, we're tough. We're tougher than you are. We may not be faster than you are. We may not jump as high as you do. We may not be as pretty as you are or whatever, but we're going to be tougher than you. And uh, I think that's one of the things that Michigan has kind of found out is, you know, they had a bunch of pretty boys and all that, and and Harbaugh couldn't win with them. And and now they're tougher. I mean, they play Iowa-style football and and maybe call that Michigan-style football from before. But, you know, they're, they're, they're pounding you on the offensive line. Anyway, that that's Brian Ferentz's persona, right? He's a tough guy, and he's smart, no doubt about it. He's very, very smart. Um, but you know how he comes across sometimes. Yeah, you know it, 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 it can be irritating, or whatever. But that's also his strengths. You know, people's strengths are sometimes their weaknesses a little bit. Um, I just I just think he's playing with one hand behind his back right now. His play calling. Everybody says play calling, play calling. Well. When your offensive line is this young and this inexperienced, uh, there's just a lot of plays that aren't going to work against certain teams. And, and I'm sorry, but Illinois is a good team, and Michigan's a really good team. And Iowa State's got a pretty good defense. Um, their, their problems are more on the offensive side of the ball and special teams. But um, you know, we, we lost we lost three games this year, and they were to teams that 
that have very good defenses. And our offense is very young on the offensive line. I'm pretty sure, Andrew, we're either the youngest or the second youngest team in the Big Ten right now, uh, as far as all of our players go. This is a young team. And um, people just, just got to settle down a little bit. We've lost three games. They've been close, competitive games for the most part. Um, and, 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 and you got to let it, you got to let it go. Now, with all that said, number one stat in the world is wins. Ryan's won more than any offensive coordinator we've had under the Kirk Ferentz era at, at this time. I think Ken O'Keefe was, even if you wipe out the first two years when Iowa didn't have much talent, let's throw those two years out. Ken O'Keefe's about 66% of his games. Uh, Davis was, was, that was, that, that just wasn't a good fit. Davis was a good guy but wasn't a good fit for our talent level and the way we play. And then Brian's come in and won about 70% of the game since he's been offensive coordinator. I, you know, it, numbers don't lie. It is what it is. We have never, hardly ever, had a sexy, you know, fun, awesome offense. Brad Banks, 2002. Uh, you know, maybe that year we lost all of our running backs and we had to throw the ball right. a hundred times a game, you know. But when, when, when else have we had, like, this dominating offense? That's not our philosophy. That's not the way Kirk believes we can win games. Like I said, we're not faster than other teams. We're not athletically gifted than most other teams. You know, we win with defense, special teams, and toughness. And I'm sorry, but we've done a, we've done a pretty darn good job winning games um, for the most part over the last 20 years. And I... I you know, it's it's more fun to go home winning winning ugly twenty three to twenty against <laughs> Penn State than it is than it is going home and, and losing you know thirty eight thirty five to somebody. And I, I just think everybody's got to take a deep breath. We lost two games. We should have won. Okay, certainly could have, should have won. You you gotta score a touchdown. Your defense gives you the ball. Or you got the ball first and goal. You need to go in and score touchdowns, and you know we're we're not. Our offensive line is is just it's just not there right now, and our quarterback isn't mobile. That is one thing I'll, I'll completely one hundred percent disagree with Brian on. Um, a team, a team that that has a running quarterback has an advantage. I, I, I don't care what I mean. I, I, you know, Parker says that our defensive coordinator says that they put. They put pressure on you, you know, and um, and I, I would like to see this. I think everybody else on our team, except for Petrus, all the other quarterbacks on our team, plus our recruits, can run the ball. Okay, we know Padilla can run; he's mobile. Um, uh, I, I don't know about Carson May. I guess I, I, I'm pretty sure that Novice is is ran. He's, he's a better athlete, I'll call him than than Petrus is. So, you know, Brian can say that, but we seem to be recruiting more athletic quarterbacks so I'll, I'll go there but yeah yeah you know everybody's uh, brian's a lightning rod part of it's his personality and part of it's he's the coach's son and part of it is that kirk put all the chips in together with brian and and, and didn't hire a quarterback's coach and you know it, it's kind of all on brian so it's uh you know, it's just it's, it, it, he, he's a lightning rod right now, and 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 that's kind of where we are. Um, my personal belief is we need to have a little patience. 
It's a rebuilding year. Um, it happens. And uh, I think, I think you know, next year, I think this offensive line, they're going to instead of being 19 and 20-year-olds, they're going to be 20 and 21-year-olds. They're all going to be 10, 15 pounds heavier. Um, they're going to be better. They're going to have great experience. And I think it will be a lot better. You know, I, I talked to somebody the other day, and I said, well, why didn't we go out in the transfer portal and grab a couple of good offensive linemen? And I really do question that. I question why we have to bring a defensive lineman over in spring practice and turn him into our starting center. Um, but, you know, the reality is if, if you go out to the transfer portal, you don't just get these guys for free, right? you got to give them a scholarship. And then that means you don't have a scholarship for a freshman that you can then develop. And so if you look at some of the things that have happened, um, yeah, we had a, we, we, we had bad recruiting years on the offensive line. They were good recruiting stars, if you will. There are a lot of four-star offensive linemen, three-star offensive linemen. We usually have a walk-on or two that, that turns out pretty good. You know, we didn't in 2018, 2019. And I think we got a couple of portal transfers, at least one guy from Indiana, I, I think a couple of years ago. Well, that took away a scholarship, you know, from that recruiting class that probably would have gone to a freshman offensive lineman. So there's, there's a lot of factors. There's a lot of moving parts. I think things are going to be fine. Here, here's where I think, you know, I'll shut up. I know I'm rambling. Here's where I think you're going to find out what's really going on with our program. We get to the end of the year, and all of a sudden we have a whole bunch of kids transfer, enter the portal, leave. You know, that's going to show kind of a lack of confidence, I think, in Brian, and that, that's going to really signal signal a problem. If everybody stays, you know, it, it's kind of like this racial thing. Oh, it's terrible. It's, it's an awful football program. There's a racial lawsuit and all this. Well, nobody really left. Why didn't anybody leave if it was so bad? Because it's not that bad. It's it, There were some things that were said that shouldn't have been said. They got brought out very, very poorly by some former players. And, and you know, now we got an issue there. But, you know, we'll, we'll, let's see. I mean, I think the team is very committed. Um, I, just, I just think they're young. It'd be really nice to get Keegan Johnson and the Vine kid and a wide receiver. Get Brody Breck fully healthy and do some things with him and really have some nice packages at wide receiver. I think that would help features too. Um, so Ohio state, that's eh, going to be tough, but the rest of the games, we got to be competitive and go into the fourth quarter with a really good chance to win the game. And our offense has got to improve somewhat. There's, there's no doubt about it. Yeah, we'll see how it looks this weekend in Columbus. Uh, let, let's let's take a quick break, and when we come back, we'll, we'll start getting into that game a little bit, which isn't a, a whole lot of fun to look at on paper, but uh, as we started the show with, hey, there's a reason they play these games. We've seen Iowa do crazier things than, than this before. This is the HawkeyeNation.com radio show. I'm Andrew Downs. He's Joe Schmelka. We are on 106.3 KXNO, and anywhere uh, with the podcast page at HawkeyeNation.com or wherever you get your podcasts, we'll be back to talk Iowa. Iowa, Ohio State, in just a moment. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify.
Welcome back to the HawkeyeNation.com radio show here on 106.3 KXNO and HawkeyeNation.com. If you missed any of the first segment, check it out at the podcast page, HawkeyeNation.com. And uh, anywhere you get your podcast, just search Hawkeye Nation. Let's get a look, an inside look at the Ohio State Buckeyes, Iowa's opponent, Saturday at 11. And my guest today covers Ohio State for the Columbus Dispatch. It's Joey Kaufman. Joey, thank you so much for the time. Thank you for having me. You know, we, before we dive into this game specifically, you know, 6-0, and ranked number two, haven't really been challenged yet. Is Ohio State the best team in the country? I think they have as good a case to make as anybody. I think they might be the best team, but I think when you at least evaluate their resume, I think it goes to show why they're, they're behind Georgia in the polls and, and why Tennessee would even have a case to be ranked higher than Ohio State because the Buckeyes – don't have that that glamour win. They don't. They haven't really. They haven't beaten a ranked team because Notre Dame fell out of the top twenty-five. That win has has lost some of its luster. But I, but I think Ohio State has as good a case to make, and I, and I think I might make that they're the the best team just because of, of how easily they've handled everything. And I just don't see a weakness on either side of the ball so far. You know, let's look at, look at those sides of the ball. C.J. Stroud and the Buckeye offense certainly had things rolling since being held to 21 in that opening game against Notre Dame. They haven't scored fewer than 45 in a game. Who should Iowa fans have their eyes on when the Buckeyes have the ball? Uh, that's a good question because you could uh, really pick anybody out of the, the receiving trio. But I, but I think their offense starts and ends with, with C.J. Stroud. I mean, he is the unique piece to everything. He's the guy who makes things move. He's the one who pushes the ball down the field. And I think he's... He's a smart quarterback. He's able to adjust things at the line of scrimmage. He, I think, makes good decisions. He's not going to to make a ton of errant throws or put his receivers at risk. And he's also going to be able to stretch the ball downfield and and push it. I mean, when they played Michigan State, he had, he had two touchdowns over 50 yards. So I think that's really the the, the bread and butter for Ohio State's offense. They they have a quarterback who's largely mistake free and a quarterback who's going to make big plays. Defensively, the Buckeyes have allowed some points, but that's, that's both, mostly been in blowout games. Uh, what players or position groups have been most, most notable this season uh, on defense? It's, it's, I think they're linebackers. Tommy Eichenberg, Steele Chambers, those two guys have been, have been really impressive just the way they've been able to swarm to the ball and, and make plays. And, and that was a, a really a cause for concern last year in some of their, their losses when they lost to Oregon in September, then lost. Late in the year at Michigan, they got beat on the edge at times. They got beat up the middle, certainly by Michigan and Hassan Haskins. That's sort of the, the enduring image of, of last year, just Michigan running the ball up the teeth of the defense. And they've really shored up that, that area of the field. It doesn't feel like teams have been able to run on them as well as a year ago. That, I think that those two guys in particular, Steel Chambers and Tommy Eichenberg, have been all over the field and, and really much, much more of a ball-hawking defense than they had before. You know, from afar, as as I look at the Iowa team and and really the rest of the Big Ten West and and really the rest of the Big Ten in in general, uh, there there are nitpicky things to to point out. There are glaring deficiencies to point out. Uh, I don't see that with this Buckeye team. Is there a weakness uh, with Ohio State? I think there is a weakness, and the question is whether a team can can take advantage of it. But but their secondary play, especially the cornerbacks, I think has has shown some cause for concern. They've given up some big plays and they were vulnerable to that early in the year where they gave up some, some 40, 50 yard passes. And I just don't think they've played a quarterback in a passing game or, or they're able to, or a team is able to consistently maybe 
pick on some of those things. And part of the reason Ohio State's cornerbacks have struggled have been have been due to injuries. Denzel Burke was their, their top shutdown corner a year ago, uh, but he hurt his shoulder in the, in the preseason and has dealt with a hand injury. So he missed the, the the Big Ten opener against Wisconsin, and that seemed to be limiting him. And and Cam Brown, the other cornerback, missed a pair of games as well to start conference play. So that you could chalk up some of the, their struggles to that. But the expectation or the hope among Ohio State's coaches is, is those guys will be able to bounce back when they when they can get more consistent time on the field. I've been doing this podcast, Joey, for five years now, and I've never talked to Ohio State thanks to a, a strange Big Ten schedule and then that adjusted 2020 season where uh, the teams were on each other's schedules, but that that got uh, thrown off. I think now you're, you're the you're the final kind of new connection I had to make uh, within the Big Ten to, to do this podcast. 2017, the last time these teams met, uh, for us Hawkeye fans, it's it's a memorable 55-24 to 24 Iowa win. Th- does that carry any weight this week, or was that just too long ago? To really matter i'm like you this is my fourth year on the ohio state beat and this is the first time i'm writing about iowa it's just it's, it's certainly a quirk and in realignment the big 10 b14 teams you don't get to play as much now i guess, I guess to answer your question though i don't know how much that game carries weight just because most of the players on ohio state's roster are have turned over none of these none of these guys have faced the hawkeyes before nobody has memories of it but the coaching staff certainly does. Ryan Day mentioned uh, during his Tuesday press conference that that loss to Iowa is still a scar for them. Kevin Wilson was the offensive coordinator, running backs coach. Tony Alford was was around. So a lot of the guys in that offensive staff uh, are still are still around from from that game. I think it probably makes them aware of, of what Iowa can do, just because that was the game that that really snowballed and they got behind early. So I think. Maybe some of the memories of that game will give uh, if Coach Day's given a Ryan Day's given a a pregame pep talk to his players. Maybe they add some some heightened urgency because of that, or they're not going to maybe overlook them just be just because you look at the the offense on paper or those sorts of things. But I think having gone through that loss will certainly I think uh, give some more heightened uh, urgency to, the, to this one for the staff at least. Yeah, a first play pick six uh, may, may not be enough for the Hawkeyes this time around, although we, we would like to see it for sure. Uh, Ohio State and Iowa clearly on different levels, not just this year, but as programs. Everybody would like to be Ohio State's rival, uh, but that's reserved for the other best programs in the country. Obviously Michigan, but I would imagine most Ohio State fans are looking at Bama and Georgia and teams like that uh, as, as their rivals, the, the teams that they will hopefully play in a playoff. Uh, what's your sense of how this Buckeye program, and, and maybe more so the fan base, CI was programmed when they look over here. I think honestly, I, I, I don't see a ton of Ohio State fans thinking or spending much time on Iowa. And I think that's not necessarily due to anything other than just they don't play as frequently as, as they used to. And even though Iowa's made the Big Ten championship game a couple times in recent years, for whatever reason, it hasn't worked out where they, they've met Ohio State in those games last year being the notable one. So I think. I mean, rivalries are shaped by by getting to play each other on the field, competing for a Big Ten title, and and these teams haven't really had that opportunity. I think the the teams that that Ohio State fans think the most are certainly Michigan, but then it's Michigan State because Michigan State's a team that that beat them in 2015. That was the last team to come to Columbus and, and beat Ohio State on their home turf, last Big Ten team to do so. Then Penn State, which beat Ohio State in 2016. So I think just Iowa has not really had the, the freak, even though they, they won in 17. I think 
just the infrequency of their their matchups has made them, I think, certainly uh, not front of mind for for a lot of Buckeye Nation. Well, hopefully Saturday we uh, we get a better game than it appears to be on paper. It'll be interesting. Uh, I think for Iowa fans, it'll be fun to just see this Ohio State program uh, up close and personal. You can follow him on Twitter. He is at Joey R. Kaufman. And check out his work in the Columbus Dispatch. Joey, I really appreciate the time today. Uh, enjoy the game Saturday. And, and hopefully you're off to a, a really fun season covering the Buckeyes. Hey, we're always curious if Ohio State can get in a competitive game because most of the time these have been – so uncompetitive fourth quarter. So I think Iowa's defense could certainly make things interesting. We'll see. Uh, we'll see how things progress. There it is. Can Iowa keep it competitive? <sighs> Can the defense do their magic? And if they do, how much magic will it take? And how much offense can Iowa provide? This is going to be a rough one, folks. Uh, this this is this is where it gets worse before it gets better. This is what I was worried about with the game at Illinois. Uh, you know, if you, if you don't win that game, what does that mean uh, moving forward into the bye week, which I think has been rough for all of us, uh, and now into a game where you you've got you know one of the the biggest point spread underdogs in the Kirk Ferentz era, and you can completely see why that's the case. Uh, as you can tell, I'm not holding out a lot of hope for Iowa in this game. You know, maybe they keep it close. Maybe it's competitive into the second half. Uh, but what we've seen out of Iowa's offense is they are not going to be able to keep up with Ohio State. And even if Iowa's defense uh, works some miracles and, and does some magic, C.J. Stroud and this Buckeye offense is, is going to be able to score. They're going to be able to put up points. And, uh, and Iowa's just not going to be able to keep up. I think 29.5 or whatever it is, 28.5, 29.5 points is a lot. I think it's probably too much. Um I, I if you know if I'm a, a betting man, I, I probably put my money on Iowa and, and take those 30 points or so. But to expect much out of this game or, or out of this uh, th- this Saturday is is asking a lot. Hopefully, we see some kind of incremental improvement. Hopefully, the offensive line looks a little better. Hopefully, Spencer Petras has some confidence. Um, maybe some you know injury news from Deontay Vines uh, is is a positive thing for this offense and and maybe the defense can kind of uh, like like in 2017 hit a big play early and kind of use that momentum to carry them through uh, the rest of the game I don't expect 55-24 on either side uh, but it's going to be interesting and then you know you'll see what what this game does to this Iowa team and, and the program does it has this bye week helped them? Uh, can they go into Columbus and, and gain some confidence and and head back into their final five games, all against Big Ten West foes, with a, a better outlook, some more confidence, and uh, and you know knock off some teams, get some wins, get their, themselves to a bowl game. Hell, even even get themselves back to a a Big Ten championship game, or does it all fall apart? Uh, and and do things just continue to get worse and to spiral? And are we all looking for forward to basketball season a lot earlier than we had hoped? I'll bring Joe Schmelka back to the show. We'll preview the Ohio State game and look ahead of the rest of the season. This is the HawkeyeNation.com radio show here on 106.3 KXNO. Back in Black on the HawkeyeNation.com radio show. Andrew Downs, Joe Schmelka here on 106.3 KXNO. If you've missed any of the show, we had a great long first segment talking about kind of the, the Iowa program as a whole before we get into this Ohio State game. You can check it out at the podcast page, HawkeyeNation.com. Uh, check out all of our coverage at HawkeyeNation.com. A lot of really good stuff going on over there. Some good stuff going on at the front row in Clive, Joe, for the uh, the, the game this weekend. 11 a.m. kick on Saturday. Uh, there's no better place to watch it than out at the front 
front row and Clive. Yeah, it's a fun place. Clay Cook and uh, and and his gang over there. They just they just do a wonderful job. It's a lot of fun. Brian, your brother is the great guy. They they've got the sound on over there. They've got prizes. They got all kinds of good stuff. They got food. Uh, it's going to be nice to sit outside. They got a 85 inch TV outside on the patio now that you can watch the game. So you can ride your bike there. It's on the bike path. Love the place. Love the place. Joe, we, uh, we, we are going to look ahead to the daunting challenge at Ohio State, but the last time these teams played, believe it or not, was uh, five years ago, 2017, and everybody remembers the 55-24 win uh, for the Hawkeyes in that game. Started with a pick six. Uh, just a, an incredible game, a, a lot of fun. What, what memories do you have from that game? Well, I remember I barely got to my seat, and uh, – you know, I was, was, was looking around. I normally always like to get in early. And for some reason or other, where I was at that game here later, maybe I ran up to the bathroom after the, after the uh, national anthem and all that. I don't know. But, but anyway, I, I was barely to my seat. And all of a sudden I look up and uh, 27 is running in with an interception for a touchdown. And I, I couldn't believe it. I was like, what, what the heck just happened? I mean, it just was boom. And it happened. Um, so it just, and, and then we just kept we just kept cranking it out, and I remember looking over at uh, Urban Meyer across the field, and he was just in—I mean, his face was just in disbelief. He had his hands, he had his head in his hands. He was shaking his head. He just—it was like we had really scouted them well. Uh, we knew some weaknesses. We took advantage, and 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 the plays clicked. We executed. And that's what everybody doesn't realize. You can call the perfect play. Okay, uh, you know Illinois game is an example. Uh, our running back Johnson, he's got a little flare pass coming out of the out of the backfield. He would have scored on that play, but you know we got Petrus, you know, kind of rolling out to his left, and he's you know not the most athletic guy at times, and and it just took him a while to kind of get over there and then try and throw the pass. He got some pressure, and and the pass you know fell five yards short of the guy. So it's not the play call. You know, there, there, there's execution too. So, you know, we executed we executed the plays really well against them. Um, we got some turnovers, and yeah, we kicked their butt. What fifty five to twenty four was, and it wasn't really that close. I think they scored a touchdown or so at the end, but um, it was a lot of fun. <laughs> Let's go with that. It was a yeah, lot of fun. it it was a lot of fun, and it's something that uh, that we've all hung our hats on for a while. It'll be interesting to see. Uh, I saw Ryan Day, Ohio State's coach, brought that up in his press conference earlier this week. He was the offensive coordinator for Ohio State at the time. Uh, it was still under Urban Meyer, and he said, "Yeah, that's that's a scar that a lot of us on the staff still have." Obviously, the players are all different, and uh, a lot has happened since 2017. But uh, that's not something he's forgotten. Uh, he he didn't like getting his butt kicked, as you said, uh, that badly in, in Kinnick State. Uh, Joe, put put on your optimism hat here for me for just a second, and and try to lay out a blueprint for an Iowa upset Saturday morning. Well, I I, I think I think you got to come in and and you got you got to assume that Ohio State's going to be you know looking forward to the next week. Um, you you, you got to hope they're overly confident. They're overconfident. Um, they come in, you know, the only way we win this game is if we win the turnover battle, we got to turn the ball over. They've got to, we got to get them to turn the ball over a couple of times. Um, I really think we've got to have a player or two on special teams and um, probably even something more than that. I mean, I, I think we got to knock their quarterback out or, you know, something a little crazy there. So, something's got to happen um, for us to really 
have much of a shot at this game. They uh, they also had a bye week, right? So um, they're probably going to be pretty healthy. And uh, and and then you know, I, I, once again, a big, big, big difference between 2017 and now is, you know, this game is at Ohio State, and the other one was at Kinnick. So that's that's huge. They got the crowd on their side. I mean, they got they got everything going their way, right? They they outspend us in football two to one. Um, you know, they got talent in their state that's that's up the wazoo. Um, you know, much much more than we do. Um, so it's just, uh, it, yeah, this is, this is, uh, you know, it, it, it's a tough game. We, we are significant underdogs in every way. Um, I think our defense can stay with their offense for a while, but you, you saw what happened with, uh, with the Michigan game and this offense is, is, is better, yeah. uh, than the, than the Michigan, um, uh, than the Michigan offense. I do think there are places we match up a little better with them. Um, I don't think they're, they're not going to pound the ball. They're not going to run. I, I really don't see them running the ball against us as well as Michigan does. Okay. Um, and, and, and maybe there's an advantage there. I think these guys are a little more pretty boy style. Okay. You know, they're really fast and they're really athletic and they got a really good quarterback, but we'll see if we can get them into a dogfight on defense. You know, I, I think the whole key to this thing is keeping the game close. If they go down and score the first three times they got the ball and it's twenty-one nothing, well, we're done, right? Um, if we turn the ball over quick and give them an easy six points, something like that, that's that's really going to hurt our chances. But if we can play a clean game, and that you know, let's talk about that a second um, too. That that's one of the things. You know, we're normally very low in penalties. Yeah. We've had more penalties this year, big penalties at, at bad times, whether it's a holding penalty or crazy blocking penalty or or uh, unsportsmanlike conduct or out of bounds, whatever. We, 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 we've had a lot more of the 10 and 15 yard variety, you know, penalties than we normally ever get. And they, we, we can't have that. I mean, our offense is, is, you know, young offensive line, wide receivers have been hurt. Um, you know, we can't have, we can't keep doing that. We cannot hurt ourselves. We're 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 not good enough to do that. So we got to go in there. We got to play. You know, anybody's going to beat Ohio State. Yep. Got to play a pretty perfect game. I mean, this isn't rocket science. Um, we played a perfect game, you know, five six years ago, and we pretty much have to do that again. We're going to have to have a score probably by the defense or and or special teams, and. You know, like I said, maybe we knock their quarterback out. I don't know. Maybe they come in overconfident and they make a bunch of stupid plays. But I doubt it. It's, it's, it's going to be a tough game. It really is, yeah. And as you said, it's a tough game for everybody. Don't don't put too much uh, weight on, on kind of the outcome of this game or how Iowa looks because Ohio State, uh, if not the best team in the country, is certainly one of the best teams in the country. And, and they're just they're killing teams. I mean, uh, other than being held to 21 points in a win over Notre Dame in the first game, I think they're scoring in the 40s or 50s every every week since then. Uh, sounds like they're going to get a, uh, a big receiver back from, uh, from injury. So, so they're going to have even more weapons. Weapons. Uh, I saw a stat that they have three players, Joe, who have more touchdowns than Iowa does offensively this year. So three players individually each have more touchdowns than Iowa's offense does. So uh, this one could get ugly, but I think you're right. 
Play solid defense. Uh, hope for some things to go your way. Play a clean game. Don't turn the ball over. Don't hurt yourself with penalties. Uh, try to move the ball. Try to, to keep your offense on the field as much as possible. Uh, limit their time of possession. Limit their possessions uh, total. And, uh, and you know, just hold, hold on. Hope it's close and, and something big can happen at the end. But yeah, don't put a whole lot of stock in this game uh, moving forward. And, and as we move forward here on the HawkeyeNation.com radio show, 106.3 KXNO, uh, let, let's look ahead to the games after the Ohio State game. Because as we alluded to in the first segment, Joe, this season is far from over. We, we don't know what the end of this season is going to be yet. Uh, so you're home against Northwestern. I think you feel good about that one. Northwestern is not a very good team. You're at Purdue. Don't feel great there, mostly because of, of, of Purdue's ability to match up with Iowa, uh, ability to scheme Iowa over the last few years. Purdue's just been a bad team for Iowa. Their offense uh, really can put up points. Uh, as you said, maybe this is the year the, the shoe's on the other foot and Iowa can spoil Purdue's season a little bit, but uh, I don't think you feel great about that game. Home against Wisconsin, that's a winnable game. Wisconsin's not great. Uh, they, they seem to be reeling a little bit, and you're at home. That, that'll be your first home game, I guess, since, uh, since homecoming against Northwestern. Then you're at Minnesota again, a winnable game. I think you'll you'll need to see an improved Iowa team by then uh, to feel good about a win at Minnesota. But that's certainly a winnable game. And then you're home against Nebraska on Black Friday, and again, that that's a winnable game as well. So I think three or four more wins is is certainly possible, and then that gets you to a bowl game, maybe gets you to seven wins on the season, and things don't ne- nearly feel as bad as they do as we sit here at three and three uh, facing facing Ohio State. Yeah, I, I agree with you 100. I mean, I, I think if we go three and three, uh, second half season, it's very disappointing season, right? There, there, there's not any. I don't think there's any great teams in the West, and and for us to end up with a six and six record with Iowa State at home, uh, you know, South Dakota State, Nevada, I, you, you, you really need to do better than six and six. Six and six would be a disappointing season. Um, I think on the other hand, if we can go four and two. Over the second half of the season, and we're seven and five. What am I going to call that? I'm going to call that realistic. Okay, I, I think that's where this team is uh, to go four and two over the second half of the season. I think it's very realistic. And, and if somehow or another we could get to you know eight and four, uh, I, I I I would be a little bit shocked. That would exceed my expectations at this time for for where we are with this team. It seems also. Uh, there, there seems to be just a little bit of a crack maybe with some of the players. I, I don't know. So I think Caleb Johnson or somebody tweeted out, uh, you know, they don't understand the quarterback situation. So uh, maybe there's a little something going on behind the scenes with this quarterback deal. Um, I I don't understand it. I mean, I got friends that got players on the team. They say Padilla is healthy. Uh, they say that he's a pre-med student and puts a lot of time into his studies. Between the lines there, maybe he's not as prepared as Petrus is. I think Petrus is probably, I don't know know how many hours Petrus takes, how many hours do you have to take once you've, I think, graduated from college? You know, how many hours does he have? He he can spend a lot more time, I suppose, looking at film and doing all kinds of things on his own time. But something's going on there. I mean, I I, I just don't understand why there's not a package, uh, something down by the goal line where you use – Padilla's running ability. Um, I don't know. There's just there, there, there's something weird there. I, I I think there's more to the story. We yeah. have to trust their. Um, but what's going on? They're not going to tell you the whole story. You and I have talked about Charlie Jones. You know, there's a lot more to that story. And uh, you know, I'm not going to get into it. But 
Um, there's a lot more to the Charlie Jones thing than him just, oh, uh, Pete just doesn't throw the ball well, and we run a run-dominated offense, so I'm going to leave and go to Purdue. Well, I, 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 I'm pretty confident there's a lot more to that story. But the coaches can't talk about all that stuff. So, you know, you've you got to have some trust in your coaches. Um, so, But we're fans. Yes. We know better, right? Monday yes. morning quarterback, we're the smartest guy in the room. <laughs> That's right. And, uh, and when we get together a week from tonight, Thursday night here on the HawkeyeNation.com radio show, we will at least have a game to have recapped, uh, hopefully a better game than, than most are expecting right now, and then uh, a look ahead to the, the next five games all in the Big Ten West. It's going to be an, an interesting weekend for the Iowa Hawkeyes. We'll see if any changes were made during the bye week and anything palpable. Uh, and we'll kind of see how we feel about the season moving forward. Joe Schmelka, thank you as always, man. This is always a lot of fun. I, I always appreciate talking Hawkeye football with you. All right, buddy. Take care. Be safe. Have a great weekend. All right, that is Joe Schmelka. I'm Andrew Downs. This is the HawkeyeNation.com radio show on 106.3 KXNO. If you missed any of it, check it out. The podcast page, HawkeyeNation.com, and we will talk to you next week. Thank you so much for listening, and go Hawks.